earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends, and thanks for joining me today on A Word from the Word. In light of today and tomorrow signaling the Jewish holiday and celebration of Purim, I'll be taking a one-week break from our scrutinizing scripture series. We'll continue with that series next time. Well, let's get right to it. Drama, power, romance, intrigue. This is the stuff best-selling novels are made of, but far from a modern piece of fiction. Today's teaching will actually present a true event, a story written and lived centuries ago. More than entertaining reading, today's story portrays a profound interplay between God's sovereignty and human will. God prepared the place and the opportunity, and two key people of God stepped up and chose to respond to a set of circumstances. Although cast on the Old Testament stage, the story of Esther in many ways depicts the story of us all. Have you ever, all of a sudden, perhaps to your own surprise or shock, found yourself in the midst of circumstances beyond your control? Well, just like Esther, we too come face to face with a series of challenging choices. And friends, these choices often involve moral issues. What's the right thing to do, we ask? Perhaps it might result in the loss of comfort, popularity, maybe even our own lives. We might even hesitate, as Esther did initially. But to retreat behind the safety and comfort of the walls we have built around ourselves is actually the more dangerous thing we can do because it means we have actually chosen against God and threatened our very souls. Friends, in light of today and tomorrow being this celebration of Purim, I'd love to suggest that you read the book of Esther in one sitting if you can. It is riveting. Well, let's begin today's journey in the world of fiction, because I believe there's an interesting parallel to the events in the book of Esther. Do you remember the Wizard of Oz? Remember when Dorothy, her little hairball dog Toto, the Scarecrow, Tin Man, and Lion finally reached the Emerald City, desperately hoping to meet the wizard? Do you remember when they're allowed in and they approach a room and hear the loud, booming voice of the wizard? They're frightened and awestruck at his demonstration of power. Then little Toto scampers over to a booth with a closed curtain and with his teeth pulls back the curtain. 
revealing an old man feverishly working levers and pushing buttons, triggering ominous visual images, and with the aid of a microphone, producing a deep, bellowing voice. Suddenly, Dorothy and her three friends notice that this old man is controlling all these great magic displays, but he quickly blurts out, "'Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain!' Now, friends, while this Wizard of Oz employs a little deception behind that curtain, such is not the case with the God of the universe, the Judeo-Christian God of the Bible. The scriptures occasionally reveal to us that at times God works behind the scenes and divinely orchestrates the outcome of many of our life's circumstances, kind of like a silent partner. This reminded me of the lives of Job and Joseph. You know those stories, don't you? Interestingly, in Job, all we're told is that God intends to prove Job's integrity and righteousness. Wow! Something to think about the next time we go through a difficult time in our lives, huh? Perhaps God wants to put us on display and make a shining example of us to a dark and depraved generation who know very little about God. And regarding Joseph, the key to the entire story is found at the end in Genesis fifty twenty, where Joseph evidently has already grasped the idea of the providential and sovereign working of his God. Remember that verse, friends? Joseph said to his brothers, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done. So then, don't be afraid. One modern language translation puts it this way. Don't be afraid. Do I act for God? Don't you see? You planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. As you see all around you right now, life for many people. Easy now. You have nothing to fear. Before we continue, friends, let me briefly break open the terms providence and sovereignty. By providence, I mean the guiding power that manages the universe with loving care and benevolence. And by sovereignty, I mean the supreme or kingly rule or control over all things. This is our word for today. And it really does help if we have a basic working knowledge of these two concepts and can understand them as they intersect our own life situations. Otherwise, friends, we'll easily and quickly fall prey to and become the victim of the tyranny of the urgent. By that I mean we'll only see our life experiences as random and disconnected events with no ultimate purpose or meaning. Been there? Done that? Then we'll fail to see a God who is in control and who is the benevolent, guiding power managing our lives, both the good parts and the not-so-good parts. We'll only be sucked in by the urgency of our needs and even work feverishly to make the negative things go away. 
in the process, we'll only blind ourselves to a higher purpose and plan because we're so focused on our single piece of the puzzle that we won't even be looking for the big picture and where our piece fits. Friends, back in 1992, the late Francis Schaeffer wrote a book called He Is There and He Is Not Silent. Like Job and Joseph, let's realize that like the Esther story, God may be hidden, but he is not hiding. There's a wonderful prayer that ties in with the Esther story in the I Worship Devotional Bible. Lord, help me believe that you put me in this time and place with my abilities and resources because you had a purpose in mind. Show me how to overcome whatever may hold me back so that I can become a proactive player in your kingdom. You see, friends, the key question we have to ask ourselves is, are we proactively looking and listening? In other words, do we have our spiritual antenna up so we can zero in on the kingdom role God wants us to play? Now, friends, you might be saying, what am I supposed to be looking and listening for? Well, in the context of the story of Esther, for God to speak to us through both the positive and negative experiences in our lives, for God to use our life situations to guide us to fulfill his destiny for us. Friends, many years ago, a group of people concerned for lost souls met in a farmer's field in North Carolina. They prayed for God to raise someone up in Charlotte to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. It just so happened that the field they were standing in belonged to the father of Billy Graham. So do you see how important it is to have a basic grasp on the providence and sovereignty of God? A basic grasp on the idea that God is always in control and working things out for our good and his glory? To the Christ followers in Rome, Paul wrote, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Friends, this idea is reinforced over and over in different ways throughout Scripture. A few places being Psalm 31.15, My times are in your hands. Romans 8.31, If God is for us, who can be against us? Joshua 1.9, God says to Joshua, Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hebrews 13.5, where God says, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. To which the writer responds, so that we confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? Lastly, Philippians 1.12 now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Did you catch that, friends? My circumstances. Where was Paul when he wrote those words? Right, in prison. 
Here's a modern language portrayal of this verse. I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. Hmm, ring a bell? You intended it for harm, but... Well, friends, the book and story of Esther are no stranger to this idea. Warren Wearsby, in his study guide on Esther, writes, Kings may issue their unalterable decrees, but God overrules and accomplishes his purposes. This made me think of Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart is like channels of water in the hands of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Friends, the book of Esther is a curious book because God is never mentioned. Prayer is not even mentioned. Yet, listen carefully. We can't read the book of Esther without being conscious of God, a God who is lovingly and delicately weaving the threads of horrific circumstances into a beautiful tapestry that smacks of his providential and sovereign management. Management of the lives and events to which his chosen people have become captive. So, friends, this is why I encourage you to read the book of Esther in one sitting. I know it's ten chapters, but they'll go fast, I promise. You won't be able to put it down. God is about to turn a nation's mourning into joy. He's like a busy bee at work operating behind the scenes, like a silent partner. The book of Esther begins. This is what happened during the time of Xerxes, the Xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces stretching from India to Ethiopia. At that time, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa, and in the third year of his reign he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials, the military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes and the nobles of the provinces were present. Notice, it's not a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. This is an historical record of a real event that happened. It's not Star Wars, The Revenge of Haman. And when you read through this book, on virtually every page, the discerning eye will detect the divine hand working effectively without anyone's conscious awareness of it. So, friends, as you dig into the book of Esther, the spiritual parallel will be Pay attention to the man behind the curtain. This is actually our title today. Now, friends, I need to brief you on the fact that there are skeptics out there who question that this account is history. They argue that it is fiction, and here's why. The book of Esther has a large number of improbable coincidences. Esther never would have been chosen queen because only Persians can become queens. And it's implausible that a Persian king would decree the widespread extermination of a whole people group. But the writer of Esther takes great pains to establish a historical and political context before introducing the religious context. In many places in the book of Esther, authentic Persian names, titles, and customs are mentioned. 
Additionally, God working behind the scenes is not unique to the book of Esther. Remember I mentioned earlier the Joseph story, the Job story. Now I'll add to those the story of Ruth. Esther was written to explain to a Jewish audience how the festival of Purim originated. And I'm going to leave it to you to discover what Purim means. If you haven't attended a Purim celebration, friends, you're missing out on an incredible experience for the whole family. During my years as pastor, I've co-hosted numerous Purim celebrations. Purim became an annual remembrance of how God delivered his chosen people from annihilation, similar to their deliverance during the exodus from Egypt and the Pharaoh in Exodus 13 through 15. We're told in Esther that the events recorded in the book occurred over a 10-year period between 483 and 473 B.C. History tells us that King Xerxes came to power in 485 B.C. and reigned until his assassination in 465 B.C. You see, friends, King Xerxes elevated Haman to a seat of honor above all the other nobles. In fact, all the royal officials knelt down and paid homage to Haman at the king's gate. But Mordecai, a Jew, refused to bow down to Haman, for a Jew bowing signified worship, and Mordecai reserved his worship for God alone. So Haman comes to despise Mordecai. In fact, his hatred fans out to include the entire Jewish population, and he manages to convince King Xerxes that all the Jews should be exterminated. The drama builds when Esther and her uncle Mordecai seek a way to reverse the king's edict, and Esther risks her life to expose Haman's heinous plot. In so doing, Esther must reveal herself to be a Jew, and in fact, it's her own people who are being targeted by Haman. Now, in my opinion, friends, the key section is chapter 4, 12 through 16. In this portion, Esther requests her people to fast for her, since she plans to meet with the king and disclose this plot to him. I don't know about you, but this certainly would be the perfect place to solicit prayer, wouldn't it? But even prayer is not mentioned or is it? Friends, here we need to strap on biblical sandals and realize that for Jews, fasting is almost always accompanied by prayer. And the goal here was to petition God to sway the king's heart in the Jews' favor. In the midst of Esther's request for fasting, she consults with her uncle Mordecai. And Mordecai counsels her, Who knows? but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. What's up with that? There's no thus saith the Lord, no command from on high. No, Esther, the Lord spoke to me and said, it's just who knows. Somehow, even in this critical moment, God's mystery remains intact. It's as if God is the book's best-kept secret. But friends, to the discerning eye, to the detective of the divine, God is here, and he is not silent. So friends, pay attention to the man behind the curtain. 
then we'll detect God's heroic concern for his chosen people, won't we? And we won't be fooled or misled by the story series of extraordinary so-called coincidences, will we? After all, Esther just happened to be chosen the new queen. The king just happened to have insomnia one night. The king just happened to pick up the scroll that recorded Mordecai's good deed. The evil Haman just happened to come by at a key moment. These coincidences just happened to combine with Esther's courage and tilt the terrible events in the Jews' favor. You see, friends, discerning minds ask the right questions, like, were these really mere coincidences? Was God actually working behind the scenes? Is all of life really under God's sovereign control? Does anything just happen? Were these coincidences God's way of saving the Jews? No, yes, yes, no, yes. We all know heroes often downplay their part in a critical situation, replying, I'm sure others would have done it, or I was just in the right place at the right time. Hmm, I was just in the right place at the right time. Sounds a lot like a modern-day version of Mordecai's words. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Friends, I'm convinced that the book of Esther forces us to conclude that God's behind-the-scenes exquisite timing is combined with the courage of people who just happened to be in the right place at the right time and realized it. The end result is God's chosen people are spared from a horrific fate by both divine and human intervention working cooperatively together. Friends, the Esther story helps us see God is working between the lines of the story of our lives, between any plots against us and any fears about our future. But finding and seeing God's prevailing goodness requires we become spiritual detectives, or as I say, detectives of the divine. We must learn to read between the lines in our own lives and pay attention to the man behind the curtain. The book of Esther and Purim challenge us to ask and answer this question. Is God in control? In other words, sovereign? The Esther story demands we reply in the affirmative. God is in control. God is sovereign. Back in 1993, Christian singer-songwriter Twyla Paris sang a song, God is in Control. The second verse is appropriate here. History marches on. There is a bottom line drawn across the ages. Culture can make its plan. Oh, but the line never changes. No matter how the deception may fly, there is one thing that has always been true. It will be true forever. Then the chorus kicks in. God is in control. We believe that his children will not be forsaken. God is in control. We will choose to remember and never be shaken. There is no power above or beside him. We know, oh, 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 
God is in control. Then the bridge kicks in. He has never let you down. Why start to worry now? Why start to worry now? He is still the Lord of all we see, and he is still the loving Father watching over you and me. So, friends, remember to pay attention to the man behind the curtain. God may be hidden, but he certainly is not hiding. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're at the end of today's program. I hope reflecting on the story of Esther and the celebration of Purim has been informative and illuminating, and it would be my honor to pray for you as we all grow and become spiritual detectives of the divine and look for God's sightings. Oh, they're out there, friends. Let's keep our eyes open and our spiritual antenna up, and let's pray for courage like both Esther and Mordecai. Let's pray the prayer I shared earlier. Lord, help me believe that you put me in this time and place with my abilities and resources because you had a purpose in mind. Show me how to overcome whatever may hold me back so that I can become a proactive player in your kingdom. Well, friends, today's broadcast will close with an email where you may write me. I'd love to hear how this program is illuminating you and expanding your understanding of God's Word. This email is also where you may contact me to learn about how you can financially help this listener-supported program. It's listeners like you who keep this program on the air. Friends, please consider joining a Word from the Word support team. I'd be grateful. Thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a Word from the Word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. Dot com.